Oh, good morning, everybody. We're going to continue on First Peter. We only have two chapters left. I, I, I titled this The End is Near because Peter says it in the passage. And when I was reading through the passage, in my brain, I'm reading and I'm going, nah, da, 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 the end is near. And that just goes right back to being normal. So that's why you get all caps and exclamation points because I just pictured somebody running down the street screaming that the end is near. Let's read it, shall we? I promise I will not shout it when we get there. 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 11. It reads, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, grossing, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that they do not run with them, that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. They will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6 now. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they, will live in the, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in, ser employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's dive into this. Number one, living the right way. Living the right way. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves also with this purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And it's going to continue on throughout verse 6. Here's the thing, right? I hear a lot of people, when they talk about sin, right? Let's be honest. We all sin. We're all still human. That yes, though we have Christ in us, and we have the ability, as it says in Acts, uh, in Acts, we have the ability to no longer sin. From the time you are saved to your death, you have the ability inside of you to never sin again because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Here's the issue. We don't always rely on the Holy Spirit, and that's when we sin. But what it's saying here is I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I'm just, I'm really struggling through this sin. And people kind of condemn them for struggling. Let me say this right off the top when it comes to this idea of suffering in the flesh and suffering through sin. If you are struggling with the sin, keep going. It's when you stop struggling and just start giving into it, that's the problem. Struggle against sin. Fight against sin. I struggle with my anger. Let me, oh, you know what? I wasn't planning on telling you this story, but I'm going to do it today anyway. It's going to be on the podcast. This is going to be great. She might listen to it. Here we go. 
Yesterday and Friday, I was working at, a, uh, at, my, at my school that I went to, Clark Summit University. They were doing a women's conference. I'm down there doing this conference. And I get a text from my sister. <clears throat> Not this one, my other sister. And she goes, hey, call me real quick. And I went, all right, I'll take a second. I'll call her. So I called her up and she goes, Eve said that you're at Clark Summit. Are you, or what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm helping out at a conference that they're doing down here. And she went, just so you know, Carrie is at a conference at Clark Summit University. For those of you that don't know, Carrie is my biological mother who I've not spoken to in some odd 10 years. So here I am, and I'm like, okay, I'm 24. I'm an adult. I can handle seeing my mother. That was Friday night. Saturday, yesterday, I'm scooping ice cream for some 500 ladies. It's great, having a great time. Scooping ice cream, I've got my head basically in the ice cream thing, scooping it, I turn to give it to the lady, hand it to her, she moves, and there she is. And I went, what kind of ice cream would you like, ma'am? We finished it all up. I won't tell the whole, the whole story. But it was all right. But I will tell you this. In the very moment that I saw her, the anger that I thought I had dealt with years ago reared its ugly head again. And it went, you could be mean to her, and no one's going to blame you. Your boss knows about her. Your best friend who's scooping ice cream down there, he knows about her. He knows your story. No one's going to blame you if you say something mean right here. And to be honest, I wanted to. I desperately wanted to say something, including later on when her friend came back and said to me, it was devastating that you haven't talked to her in 10 years. And my initial response didn't say it, but my initial response was, yeah, it was devastating when she left when I was eight. I didn't, but it was a struggle. It is okay to struggle. It is okay to fight. It is the moment that you stop fighting. When you stop suffering in your flesh, against your flesh, that, that's when you've got a problem. So I want to encourage you this morning right off the top. If you are sitting there going, man, I'm really struggling against bitterness. I'm struggling against anger. I'm struggling against lust, against envy, against greed. Pick whichever one. Jealousy, pick it. Good. Keep struggling. Keep going. It's when you stop that struggle, that's the problem. And then he continues on, and I love this, in verse 3. He says, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. And then he lists a bunch of them there. Basically, Peter is going, listen, you had your fun. You had the time of your life, the time in your life when you sinned like this. When you gave in to, let's see, what does he list here? Sensuality, lust, drunkenness, grossing, drinking, parties, and then just to cover everything else, abominable, abominable idolatries. I love that. He's like, yeah, you did that. You did that. That time is in the past for you now, though. Don't go back to it. And then in all this, they are surprised. They being, it was referred to as Gentiles here, but what it means is those who are not saved. That is what Peter, that is who Peter are calling Gentiles, those who are, no, who are not Christians. In this, these non-Christians are surprised you don't run with them anymore. You don't run with them into dissipation. Wrongdoing. When, you change, when God changes your life, we talked about it this morning, that he is holy, right? When he comes in and he starts to make you holy and he starts to set you apart from the people around you, they look at you and they go, why aren't you doing the things that I am doing? At least they should. Because you shouldn't be doing the things that they are doing. 
This whole conference is full of illustrations for me. Like I said, it's a 500-woman conference last week, and then the week before they had 500 different women. There are a ton of incredible women that come that are kind and courteous to you, and, and they thank you. Every time they see you, they thank you for providing food for them and doing this for them, and it's great. But you always have this small sect who are horrid to you. My bosses, well, they're not my bosses anymore. My previous bosses, both of them are not Christians. And both of them came up to me afterward and they go, man, it happens every year. These women proclaim to be Christians and then they treat us like dirt. He used a different word, but I'm not going to use that on this Sunday morning. You're supposed to be set apart. You're supposed to be, when Christ comes into you, you're supposed to begin this process of going away from what you once were, so much so that the people that you used to hang with, the people that you used to do things with, should look at you and go, why aren't you doing the same things we are? And then I love that at the end. They malign you. They speak ill of you. We talked about it over the past few weeks. Peter has talked about it in, 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 his, in his letter here. He warns multiple times, people are going to try to tear you down. But if you're living a set-apart life, eventually... They are the ones who will be made the fools. Live a set-apart life. Be like the women who were there, and I'm only talking about women because it's only women that were at this conference. Sorry, men. The men's conference was a few weeks before that. They didn't really do anything because they just came in and ate and left. They didn't really sit there and talk. It's the way it is. It's nice. Lunch is from 12 to 1. They're all gone by 1230, and we just clean up. It's great. Um, be like these women who every time they see you, they go, thank you very much. Thank you for scooping this ice cream for me. Thank you for putting out more food. Thank you for being willing to make the toaster work, even though it was I that tried to shove 18 bagels in there. Thank you for coming and pulling them out of there for me. That didn't actually happen, although they did break the toaster at one point. Don't be like the women that get mad because everything that we have set out is gluten-free, but they don't have the gluten-free option that they like. Don't get mad. Eat the applesauce, I don't know. But be like those women who are willing to go out of their way to show Christ's love to men who they don't know if they're saved or not. Most of the people that work in the cafeteria at Clark Summit University, while it is a Christian organization, are not Christians because they outsource to do their food. Most other colleges do as well, and other places. You never know who you're talking to that's not a Christian. Show them. One day... In the end of this, this little section here, one day we're all going to give an account. It says it. We will give an account to the one who judges. And one day there will be people, one day I will stand in front of God and he will say, Sam, I know you wanted to. I know that you're not a peacekeeper. You like to fight. You like to be right in the thick of it. Well done. Because you had an opportunity that Satan threw in your face and you said no. I don't know if, I, I know Brian was watching. Brian's the name of one of my bosses because he came up to me afterwards. So I know he was watching. I had a testimony right then because I didn't get mad and show it. Wanted to, but didn't. We will give an account. And I'll give an account for the times when I wanted to do something and I did. I will give an account for those same moments when I gave in to my anger just as much as I will give an account for those moments when I didn't. And you will give an account as well. And here's the terrifying thing for everybody else. They will too. We talked about it last week. They're going to have to give an account. But unlike me, when I stand in front of God and he goes, yes, you did this, but Jesus, 
His blood is covering you. His blood's not going to cover them. Be the one who makes sets, who set apart and shows them who Christ is so that maybe, just maybe, they can do it too. All right, so that's number one. Living the right way. Number two, the end of all things. For the end of all things is near. This was written 2000-ish years ago. And Peter says the end of all things is near. Apparently, Peter had a different idea of what near means than what we do. But it's true throughout all of Scripture, for, throughout the New Testament and stuff, the apostles and the, young, and, the, and the newer Christians then, they all thought Christ was coming back immediately. They all thought it was going to be the short amount of time. He was coming back in their lifetime. They've been dead hundreds of times over. And at the end of Revelation, right, Christ says, I'm coming quickly. You can put your foot on the gas pedal. You didn't. But here's the thing. Peter thought to himself, the end of all things is near. It's nearer now than it's ever been. Let me tell you this today, church. The end of all things is near. It is nearer now than it ever has been. Whether it be Christ rapturing his church, whether it be our own death, because I'll never be as young as I am right now. It's true. I will never be as young as I am right in this moment. Which means, therefore, I am now closer to my death in this moment than I have ever been. The end of all things is near, whether it be the end, Christ taking his church, or the end of us that way. So therefore, keep sober in spirit and be of sound judgment. Right? The world tries to say, the end of all things is near, therefore, go out and do what you want to. The end of all things is near, therefore, do those things that we just read in verse 3 and 4 and such. Be that person. The end is near anyway, what does it matter? And if you don't think the world says that, go talk to some non-Christians. Go talk to some Christians. They say that. But Christ says, no, 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 no. Be in sound judgment and be of sober spirit. Keep watchful. Because the, as the end draws near, as we get closer to it, Satan's going to try harder and harder. Because he knows the end is near as well. He knows this book better than you and I do. He knows how it ends. I don't think Satan has any, any thoughts in his head that he's going to win this final war. But he wants to win as many battles as he can. And we need to be sober of spirit. We need to be of sound judgment in everything. And then above all, number three, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. I mentioned that, that little question we did at youth group, right? Love, spirituality, and freedom. And mom and I both said, well, love is our number one. And if you read throughout scripture, right? What is constantly put above everything else? It's love. Whether it be Christ's love for you and I to come and die, whether it be our love for each other, whether it be right there where it says, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. When it talks about everything passing away, it's not just talking about spiritual gifts there. It's talking about literally when everything is gone, when you have no need for faith anymore, because why? Christ is there. When you have no need for hope anymore, why? Because Christ is there. Love will still remain. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. That's one of my kind of sayings. I say it all the time. Well, love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes I change it to say chocolate covers a multitude of sins. But it's truth. I mentioned it right at the top. We are going to struggle with our own sins, and there are going to be times when we give in to our own sin. But if we have a love for each other, a fervent love for each other, you know what happens? We cover it. 
Not in a, okay, let's hide that and put it away in the closet sort of way. Because the Bible talks about dealing with those sins and coming clean and being honest and open. But it means that if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm really, really struggling with my envy against this or that. Or I'm really struggling with this and that. I can look at you and go, all right, sister. All right, brother. Let's work through it. Because I love you and God loves you. Or it means that I can go to you and say, man, over the past week, I mean, just at the drop of a hat, my anger has been going off. You can say, Okay, pastor, what can I do to help you? It also means, let's get deeper, if I sin against you or you sin against me, I don't hold a grudge against you. It means that when my biological mother is randomly then standing there as I'm trying to scoop ice cream, I don't give in to my anger. Why? Because though, I'm going to say it, though I don't like her, though I have not really talked to her, In 10 years, besides yesterday afternoon at around 12.30, I can still love her because Christ loves me and loves through me. And it means I don't give in to my own anger. It means that I don't hold a grudge against her for what she did. Love doesn't mean you always go running back, but it does mean you don't hold that grudge against each other. If you want to live, if you want to be the Christians that Christ has called us and asked us to be, you have to have a fervent love for each other. Keep going. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Don't complain because there aren't enough gluten-free options at the Clark Summit University Ladies Life Conference. What can I do to help you with this? I have a gluten-free blueberry muffin. And then you smile at them and you do your best. But be hospitable without complaint. I've I've told people before, I think I was talking to Maddie this week, I'm good at complaining. I'm exceptional at it. That's not a good thing. We shouldn't be complaining about stuff. Yes, there are things we don't like. I can guarantee you that there will be some of you, and I can't guarantee, I am fairly certain that there will be some of you who don't like the color we end up painting in the hallway. Why? Because you just don't like that color. And that's fine. We all have our preferences. I know people that have walked into this sanctuary and went, why is everything red? I personally like it because I love the color red. They might like blue. Here's the thing. Don't complain. Instead, find something you do like. And that's true of everything, not just the hallway out there. Maybe it's in your home life. It's at school, it's at work, it's whatever it be. Instead of seeing the bad things and complaining about them, see the good things in it anyway. Instead of going, man, I don't like this color. Go, man, this looks really clean. Instead of seeing the drips that I will inevitably leave on the wall, see the nice little section that I did. Don't complain, be hospitable about things. And then in the end, Verse 10 and 11 can be summed up as this. Do everything to glorify Christ. I love it. It says, if you're talking, speak as though Christ is speaking through you. That's not just talking about me up here on a Sunday morning or on Monday night or Thursday night or whatever it be. It's talking about you and I in our everyday life. Speak as though God himself is speaking through you. I had a woman come up to me while I was scooping the ice cream and say, I just wanted you to know. It was such a joy to see you because you smiled at every single person that came. I scooped ice cream for 500 women. Do you know how much that makes your arm hurt? Is that good? How about just a little bit more? How's that? A little bit more. (laughs) And cone on top. There you go. You you don't want to smile anymore. You're like, (laughs) yes, you're very nice. But this woman came up to me and she said, I was having a horrible week before I came here, but you smiled at every single person. Thank you. I didn't want to smile at every single person. But I did because it's the right thing to do. Because 
I said, God loves these women. I've got to show God's love to these women. And it says doing things right right down there. If you each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. Again, that's the same thing. And then whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. We're all called to do these things. We all have a special gift. We all are called to serve. We all are called to speak. Do it through Christ, not through you. I can guarantee you that if I wasn't in a place spiritually that I needed to be yesterday afternoon, I could not have reacted the way that I did. We laughed about it afterward, my, my buddy and I. Because he looked over and he saw it. And he was like, he told me, he said, I was kind of scared of what was going to happen. Thanks, Drucker. Thanks for your faith in me. Thank you. Serve. Speak. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Put your money in the offering plate as though Christ is doing it through you because he is. It's not as though he is. He is doing it through you. You and I are his hands and his feet right here. Guys, the end is near. I am closer now to my death than I was five minutes ago when I just said it. So are you. Hopefully not because of my speaking. Live right because the end is near. And above everything else, love each other. Love me. I'm going to love you. There will be days when it's hard. I guarantee you there have already been days when it's hard for you to love me. That's okay. There'll be more. It might be tomorrow. You may have walked in and gone, why is all this blue tape all over the place? That was me. I did that. I'll take the blame for that one. The end is near. So live right and above all, love each other. That's what Peter's saying here and that's what I'm trying to say because that's what God is saying. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this, the, the, the weather, the sunshine. Yeah, it was hot yesterday. It was humid. But thank you that, you know what? It's not snow. And though I love winter, I know a lot of people don't. So thank you. And thank you, Father, that we can, we can show this love to one another. It's not because of us, but because you loved us. Because you do love us. Thank you for the opportunities that you show us to share that love. To smile at 500 women as you're scooping mint chocolate chip ice cream. Or to let the person in as they're trying to get on the highway. Or just a little wave as you're walking down the street and you see somebody. Whatever it be, thank you for these opportunities that you give us. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you would help us to keep sober in spirit, to be of sound judgment, and to above all love each other. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen.